Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. You can learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us on Sunday mornings at El Dorado High School in the Performing Arts Center at 9 and 11 a.m. Good morning. Hi. Hate to interrupt Pearl Jam. I mean, I was going to let that go, but we got this thing we got to do. Hey, it's Palm Sunday today. Happy Palm Sunday. Is that how you say it? Merry Palm Sunday. Um, party. Palm Sunday, I don't know. A uh, couple of things. Easter. It's coming. This time next week, we're going to be right here, dressed up, celebrating resurrection. It's going to be awesome. We've got something coming up, though, before Easter uh, called Good Friday. And we're doing something a little different. Um, this is our first Good Friday service. And uh, so we felt like uh, we wanted to do, I don't know, something I've always wanted to do but have never uh, had the excuse to. So we're actually going to do a Good Friday service at a cemetery. And uh, to, to remind us why it is that Jesus died, what it is he's saving us from, what he's saving us for. But there are a couple of caveats. First, uh, this is not going to be, uh, we're not going to have child care. Um, we're going to be standing for 45 minutes and walking around a cemetery. Uh, so maybe ages seven, eight up. Um, we're going to be, there are going to be stations uh, where we're going to be doing some engagement. Um, so it'll be, it, it'll be more participatory than uh, what we do here. Um, and uh, it's at the historic Yorba Cemetery, uh, which is this tiny, tiny little cemetery. Uh, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes from here. But there are specific places you have to park and not park. And so just go online, voxoc.com. Maps are there. Uh, but we'll email everybody. If you're not on our email list, you want to get on our email list, we'll email everybody like the specifics. But that's Good Friday at 6.30. Make sense? Sound great? Sure, we're in a cemetery. It'll be fantastic. What could, what could possibly be better? Um, so, so, uh, and then we'll be here Easter Sunday, 9 and 11, and, uh, uh, and, and we're just going to do kind of what we normally do, except we're going to add baptisms, and baptism is this incredible picture of a death of an old self and the resurrection of a new self, and so we've got some folks we're going to baptize. If you're interested in being baptized, um, go voxoc.com and then just RSVP. Um, to let us know uh, that's something you want to do. If you were baptized as an infant, we love and honor the faith of your parents. Um, and we also recognize that in the scriptures, baptism was also a conscious choice and declaration of public allegiance to this Jesus. And so uh, that's something uh, we're going to offer. We don't offer, this will be our first baptism, and there's a great deal of argument about who gets to be the first one baptized ever in the history of Vox community. So just among the children, actually. But... Um, so anyway, that's all next week. Sound good? Fantastic. This week, we got stuff. Q&A, here we go. That's the phone number. Um, uh, if you want to text in questions, we're going to do Q&A next week, so get some juicy ones in. Um, and uh, if you, you know, Easter's one of those times when people will actually come with you sometimes. Uh, so if you want to invite folks, we're going to kind of do our normal thing. There's the phone number. First question. If Jesus is the Son of God, why do people say that Jesus is God? Why did Jesus ask God why he'd forsaken him on the cross if he was just talking to himself? That's a great question. All right. So it, it, it could take us maybe four hours to unpack that one. First thought uh, simply is this. 
the scriptures teach this really hard to understand thing that there is one God and that Jesus is God, the Father is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, and they all appear simultaneously. And they're somehow differentiated from each other, not in their godness, but in their personness. And so you have one God manifesting in three persons, and those three persons aren't totally identical, except they're identical in their godness. So it's, it's very odd. So you have something like Jesus being baptized, a voice speaks from God from heaven, and then here's the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove. So you, have, so you can't say it's one God who's the Father in the Old Testament and Jesus in the Gospels and then the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. It's actually, they're all showing up simultaneously. So that raises more questions. We can actually get into more of that someday if you'd like. Uh, but the idea is that Jesus isn't talking to himself. Jesus is God. The Son of God was also a title given to Israel, a title given to Adam. Um, So Son of God was indicating of a unique and special relationship to God. So Jesus is God and Jesus is the Son of God are the same. It's it's saying a couple of things slightly differently. And then lastly, all right, look at me. This idea that Jesus was forsaken on the cross by his Father, I actually want to suggest that that's not true. And that is a misreading when, when Jesus very famously says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's actually from one of the Psalms. And Jesus uh, was Jewish, and I think he was quoting this whole Psalm, and the words that he's saying from the cross are from this Psalm. And uh, not everyone agrees with this, but let me just show you Psalm 22 real quick. Put it up there. Boom. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? Now listen. The minute Jews hear that first line, they know exactly what piece of the Bible we're talking about. All right? If I say, for God so loved the world, you know, right? John 3.16. So, my God, I cry out to you by day, you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. So the psalm begins with lament and anguish. Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. To you they trusted and were not put to shame. Next. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. That's pulled straight from the, the crucifixion accounts. That's how they taunt Jesus. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Next. Yet you brought me out of the womb, you made me to trust you, even at my mother's breast. For birth I was cast on you, from my mother's womb you've been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions, blah, 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 I'm poured out like water. My heart is turned to wax, it is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Remember Jesus says, I thirst? So potentially this is where he's saying this. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Oh, that's interesting. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is, this is hundreds of years before Jesus. 
So when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think this is what he's saying. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the what? Afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but listened to his cry for help. Blah, 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 blah. All the ends of the earth will remember to the Lord, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over all the nations. And then all the rich of the earth will feast and worship, blah, blah, blah. Posterity will serve him. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring it to a people yet unborn. And then what's the last phrase? He has done it. So, I think when we say God forsook Jesus when Jesus was on the cross, and we quote that verse, I don't think that's right. I think there's something totally Jewish going on right there, where Jesus is actually reciting a psalm of suffering and vindication in front of his audience. And notice the details that are in there, written before crucifixion, um, was uh, happening, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable. All right, next question. What was the Jewish reaction post-resurrection? How did the Jewish leaders of that day ex- explain it away? What did they say? Who stole the body? Disciples did, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely they stole the body. There's no way a resurrection actually happened. How does the Jewish church view this com- uh, currently? Well, the, Jew- the, the Jewish view is that there's no way Jesus was Messiah, so there's no way he rose from the dead. It's more in that order. And when you ask Jewish, uh, some Jewish folks, hey, why don't you believe Jesus is the Messiah? They will simply say, we do not believe he is God. They understand the Christian claim that Jesus is divine, and they just simply say there's utterly and absolutely no way. Jesus, you know, depending on their view, could have been a great prophet, could have been a wonderful teacher, was one of the great sages of Judaism, but no way was Jesus God. That's blasphemy. So they work backward from that to most likely the disciples stole the body. Next, and hopefully last, I always struggle with prayer because often it seems so selfishly motivated, like God is some vending machine existing to fulfill our wants, desires, etc. You mean he's not? We want so much and have incessant demands. You alluded to during last week's Q&A that God wants us to nag him with our needs. Really? We aren't just being selfish and patient children? Of course we are. Of course we are. There are obviously other components of prayer besides supplication, yet that's the one I run to most of the time. Of course we do. All right, so let's take, how many of you are parents? Okay, how do kids mature? Do they start with incessant demands? that are unbelievably selfish, annoying, juice box, right? I mean, it's like, it's insane. And the way that we interact with them in their asking teaches them about the kind of relationship we have, right? So they hopefully, not all in California do, grow out of that, right? To the point where, you know, they they become independent people, uh, and they, they've learned what the difference between what they need and what they want. They've learned you're trustworthy. They've learned all sorts of things about you in this process. So Scripture clearly teaches, and Jesus was really clear on this in two different ways. Jesus is a fan of chutzpah. 
of bold prayer. Now, that doesn't mean name it and claim it. If I say it, I'm going to make it, all of those sorts of things. But it does mean that we have the kind of relationship with Abba Father where we boldly ask and incessantly ask. And as part of God's response to us in prayer, we learn what it is we need versus what it is that we want. And so it actually turns out to be this beautiful thing that has a great parallel in how children mature and how we mature in the faith. Sounds good? All right. All right. That's good. Three questions. Done. Now, what I want to do, though, is I want to pray a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you heard, um, in Egypt, there were two Coptic Christian churches that were bombed uh, this morning. 36 dead, last I heard. 60, um, 60 were wounded um, on Palm Sunday, of all Sundays. Um, we've got what's happening in Syria and our response and Russia's threats and all of those sorts of things going on. And so I just thought maybe we'd spend uh, just a bit of time in silence praying for our world, praying for our leadership, praying for our country, and then I'll close that time and we will begin to worship together. But um, we want to join with our brothers and sisters who are persecuted for their faith. Um, We not only want to celebrate the fact that we have freedom, but we want to join in with those who do not and that it costs something for them to claim the name of Jesus. And, uh, and then we just want to pray for all that's going on. Okay, so I'll give us like 30 seconds of silence and then I'll pray. And then Izzy and the crew will come out and lead us. And so Lord Jesus, our hearts are heavy for our brothers and our sisters who have lost their lives or um, have been wounded by these acts of persecution. Oops, I'm supposed to give you silence first. I take it all back, Jesus. Okay, 30 seconds of silence, and then I pray. Father, we grieve with those who are grieving this morning. We cannot imagine gathering for worship and then having that happen. God, we pray that you would draw near to the brokenhearted. You would heal. You would comfort. That other portions of your church would rise up. Bring aid to show the body of Christ. God, we pray for what's happening in Syria, and we ask you in the name of Jesus that you would restrain evil. God, that you would give our leadership great wisdom in how to respond. That you would open the floodgates of compassion from your church. And God, that in these days, Jesus' people would shine like stars, loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute us, welcoming the stranger and the outcast, the alien among us. So give us boldness in these days, Jesus. Give us courage.
Give us great compassion. We now turn our eyes and our words, fix them upon you. Pray that you would meet with us here and walk among us in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters, thank you. They're clapping in their hearts. They're clapping in their hearts right there. <laughs> um, uh, if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of John. Um, if you don't, we are going to put everything up on the screens, and you are more than welcome to follow along there, particularly if you're new to the Bible or new to this whole Jesus thing or church thing. We are thrilled that you are here, and uh, we love questions. We love um, curiosity and skepticism, and so you're more than welcome to text in anything uh, you'd love to talk about more. Um, I, I wrestled with whether or not to share this, and like my wife and our Vox team said yes. Um, I am, if you're kind of a praying person, I would absolutely love your prayers tomorrow. I have to go in to get a lymph node or two checked. Uh, they found a spot of melanoma uh, on my back, and that's a very aggressive form of skin cancer. And um, on my back, right? I don't go shirtless often. Uh, let me just say that. But um, they, they're just as a precautionary measure, checking lymph nodes. Uh, but I never thought I'd have this conversation, uh, at least this early. I mean, in my 20s. And uh, so, <laughs> so if you happen to think of it, I'd absolutely love if you would pray that there would be nothing to find. And, um, and uh, everything would come back clear. Um, which are words I'm learning. And for those of you that have you know, either wrestled through cancer yourself or had somebody who has, right? That's most of us. Um, you know, it's just an interesting, kind of interesting beginning of a journey. So I, I was like, ah, I don't know that I should share this. I've been sharing it with our prayer team. But um, they're like, yeah, they should see that you're not indestructible. And I'm like, ah, I think they already knew that. Um, so anyway, I would love prayer for that. Uh, today, though, we're going we're gonna to look at the story that's very familiar to a lot of us, but there's, there's so many layers and levels to it that um, I want to spend a bit more time on it. John chapter 12, we will start in verse 12. The, the heading in my Bible says, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival. Now, what festival is this? You remember? Passover, yes, this lady gets um, gold stars in the kingdom of Jesus. Um, so, so literally, uh, Passover is one of the three great festivals that, that you were, according to Old Testament law, required to pilgrimage to Jerusalem for. They were gathering for Passover, and Jesus had just healed a man named Lazarus. Right? Not just healed him, but rose Lazarus from the dead. So kind of a big deal. And, um, and, and this, right on the eve of Passover, was a pretty massive cause for celebration. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went down to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, is how we say it in American. Hoshana is how you would really say it. Hoshana, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the what? The King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion, or daughter Jerusalem. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now, three questions. First, why did Jesus come this day? Second, why did Jesus come in this way? And third, what the, what the heck's up with palm branches and shouting, Hoshana? 
All right, just three quick questions, but I think they'll uncover some layers that are very, very interesting. Now, this day was the beginning of Passover. Throw up Exodus, if you would, Exodus chapter 12. This Passover is the celebration of God's deliverance from the oppressive Egyptians. All right? This is the the very beginning of a chapter that institutes this great festival. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt... This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Is that all there is? I didn't remember if I had another. Nope, that's all there is. All right. The day that Jesus enters Jerusalem is the day the lambs were chosen. Now, in the book of John, there's a great deal of parallelism between a Passover lamb, which is what we're reading about here, and the ministry of Jesus. So what happened is that Jesus came into Jerusalem on the day the Passover lambs were chosen. Passover lambs were uh, examined, excuse me, uh, in Jerusalem for four days. Jesus is examined in the temple for four days. Right? Fascinatingly enough, if you read the gospel accounts, Jesus is up there being questioned all the time. The Passover lamb on the fourth day has to be declared faultless. Jesus is faultless. Jesus dies when the Passover lambs die. I mean, it's, it's absolutely brilliant in terms of what's being fulfilled here, okay? So this day, why does Jesus come this day? He could have come the next day. could have come the day before. He comes on the day the Passover lambs were chosen. Why? Because Passover is a picture of what Jesus was about to do in his death. Make sense? Awesome. Now, why did he come in this way? Well, throw up Zechariah, if you would. This is the, the, the text that John quotes, but here's more of it. This is a very famous Old Testament prophecy. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, Righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. Now, does that go together well? He's righteous and victorious, and he's on a donkey and lowly. Right? Usually when you're thinking victorious, you're thinking horse, chariot, magnificent stallion. Right? You don't put righteous and victorious with lowly and riding on a colt. Right? A donkey. You don't, those don't normally go together. So you have this righteous and victorious king coming to Jerusalem in a kingly manner, and yet, at the same time, very humbly. So, next. This king will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now, as for you, okay, we don't have to do that one. Now, here's the thing that's so fascinating. From the east, Jesus is coming in on a colt in fulfillment of this kingly promise. At the same time, on the same day, there's a guy named Pontius Pilate who's riding in from the west with an entire cohort of Roman legionnaires. Now, the reason, the reason Pilate, Pilate lived near the coast. Pilate never wanted to be in Jerusalem. But Passover 
was a season for revolt. Passover was a season that celebrated God throwing off the yoke of the Egyptians. And so every Passover, there was this kind of revolutionary fervor in the air that perhaps God would do it again, but this time with Rome. So Rome would send extra troops into the temple to keep an eye on the Jews. Pilate would actually move from the coast into something called the Antonia Fortress. They would supply extra troops to keep an eye on the Jews. And so what you have on Palm Sunday, that first day, is a tale of two processions completely different in orientation. The one coming from the west, Roman power and might and strength and gleaming armor, Right? They're the dominant force in the world. They're the conquering military force of the world. They're the economic force of the world and the cultural force of the world. And on the other hand, you have Jesus and this, this kind of raggedy band of peasants kind of following him in. He's on a colt, and only the Jews realize, oh, that's from Zechariah. That's like a big deal, right? He just rose a guy from the dead, so they're like, this could be it. This could be the Passover that God delivers his people again. So do you see the, the choice as somebody who is Jewish that you would have to make? Do you trust this kingdom represented by a humble yet victorious king riding on a donkey? Or do you trust the Roman war machine? And you couldn't choose both. You had to pick one or the other. Now... The reason, are you guys out there? I can't tell. You guys seem totally drowsy today. The reason, the reason they pick up palm branches and shout Hoshanah is going to require maybe five minutes of background. All right? And it's, and it's a bit excruciating. All right? Hoshanah comes from Psalm 118. That, see that? Lord save us. That's Hoshanah. Lord save us, Lord grant us success, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So this is all from Psalm 118. The Lord is God, he's made his light shine upon us. All right, so this, this psalm is what they're quoting when Jesus rides in. Now, look at me. This psalm, though, in Jesus' day, took on military implications. Here's why, all right? Five minutes of background. In the Gospels, right before you get to the book of Matthew, the Old Testament ends in a book called Malachi, and it begins, the New Testament begins with the book of Matthew, and then there's this just one blank page, right? This page represents 400 years of history. And during this blank page, a guy named Alexander the Great tried to turn the world Greek. Conquered the known world, conquered Israel. He died young, and then his empire was divided among different factions and different generals, became different families. Until, a couple hundred years later, a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes IV is a ruler over Jerusalem and over Israel, and he decides he is going to end the Jewish religion. He outlaws sacrifice. He takes the temple dedicated to the worship of Yahweh and dedicates it to Zeus. 
He takes a pig, the most unclean animal, right, in the Old Testament, and sacrifices a pig in the most holy place. Refuses. He outlaws circumcision. He outlaws the Old Testament Torah. He outlaws, I mean, he's like the worst thing ever. And there was a group of guys called the Maccabees. Judah Maccabee and his brothers. These guys rose up in defiance of the Greeks and they led a revolt against, this is so fascinating. Okay, it required a better seat. I understand, I understand. (laughs) And they led a revolt against the Greeks. And this revolt, um, they, they were closing in in Jerusalem and, um, and the, the time of year was uh, the late fall. It was the time of year that required them to celebrate a feast called Sukkot. And, um, and uh, they couldn't stop fighting, though, because they were closing in on Jerusalem, and they were almost there and victorious. And so uh, the celebration of Hanukkah comes from the fact that this small band of Jews revolted against the Greeks, overthrew them, cleansed the temple, and they, they were cleansing the temple. They only had enough oil to light the menorah for one day of this eight-day festival, but God miraculously provided eight days of light. So Hanukkah is the festival of light because God provided eight days of light from one day's worth of oil. But the big deal was, the big deal was that the Jews finally had their independence after hundreds of years of living under these Greeks. Now, the Feast of Sukkot is marked by palm branches and the singing of this psalm, Hoshana. So guess what became associated with military victory? Palm branches and shouting Hoshana. In fact, let me show you some coins. For about 100 years, the Jews had their independence. These coins were minted during that time, and they all have palm branches on them. Why? Palm branches were the symbol of liberation because it was during Sukkot that God delivered his people next. More palm branches next. More palm branches. You see the point. So, there are some scholars that think that in Jesus' day, waving palm branches was illegal and shouting Hoshana was illegal in that context as well. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but when the, the Palm Sunday story is always, oh, how, those, how could those silly Jews worship Jesus one day and then turn on him the next day? They weren't worshiping the Jesus that was really coming. They were worshiping the Jesus they thought was going to lead the revolution. And so when they're waving palm branches and shouting Hoshana, what they're actually saying is God save us from who? From Rome. Do to Rome what you did to Egypt. Now that is why, that explains something really weird. Go to the book of Luke. Go to Luke, I think it's 19. All right, you guys tracking? I know it's a lot, but it's like there's so many layers to this stuff. I love it. Now, verse 37, Luke 19. When Jesus came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, 
Uh, Luke 19, verse 37. I don't know if I said that. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles. Now notice, it's the crowd of disciples praising God. But then there are these other crowds too. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Now I always thought that just the, the Pharisees were anti-fun. Right? They were like, no, you can't have fun. There's no way. But do you know what we think's going on here? Why would they tell people to be quiet and stop shouting and stop doing the palm branch thing? Who, who's watching? Rome is. So perhaps the Pharisees were saying, hey, 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 dude, we don't want to get slaughtered right now. Right? Because you have this other procession coming in for precisely these reasons, to keep an eye on this. And then Jesus says this line, oh my goodness. He says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now this, okay, look at me. This comes from Habakkuk, right? We all know that, all right? The phrase, the stones will cry out, comes from Habakkuk. Now, this is where we don't give Jesus enough credit for being a bit, uh, there's a word I want to use, but it's church, a bit courageous. Um, put up Habakkuk. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, settling or setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples. This is an oracle against Jerusalem. Shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Now, Jews would have, again, Jesus does something called a remez where he quotes part of a verse, but it's the whole thing he's got in mind, and everyone would have known this part of it. So when he says, if they shut up, the rocks will cry out, the stones will cry out, the idea is that Jesus has come and is now judging Jerusalem for its thirst for bloodshed and its practice of injustice. And what was the bloodshed that Jerusalem was yearning for? The blood of who? The Romans. So when Jesus says, if they shut up, the rocks will cry out, he's actually condemning the city for its zeal in military overthrow of Rome. And in fact, notice, back to Luke, the minute he says this, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you what? Remember, in Zechariah, the lowly king was to bring peace, to destroy the chariots and the bows. But now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Now, this actually happens when they finally, the Jews finally pick a fight with Rome in AD 66, and in AD 70, 
Rome comes and destroys Jerusalem. And you can still go to Israel today and see some of the stones that were torn down by the Romans. Now, do you see what's going on here? I mean, this is crazy. We just thought, oh, yeah, here's King Jesus. Hallelujah. Awesome. Why would they crucify him? I don't understand. Right? No, 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 no. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Caesar. Jesus is coming because it's the day you choose Passover lambs. And he's coming in fulfillment of a kingly promise. Caesar's coming because this is the time of revolt. This was the time when the Jews celebrated their last epic overthrow militarily, right? And so they come. The people see Jesus and they start waving palm branches and shouting Hoshana. Why? Here's our Savior. Here's our deliverer. But they don't mean Savior and deliverer the way we mean it. They mean this is like the next Judah Maccabee. This is the guy that's going to come and kick Rome's behind. This is going to be awesome. But that sort of thing's going to get the people in trouble. So the Pharisees say, shush, 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 shush. Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. Your quest for bloodshed actually is going to be answered in about 30 years, and it's going to be horrific. You'll get your wish. And it will be awful. And so he weeps over the city. And then it goes in right after this and cleanses the temple. I mean, it's unbelievable how all this stacks together. Now think about some of the implications of this. Right? First of all, what kind of Messiah do we want? I mean, that was the issue with some of these Jewish folks. The Messiah they wanted was not the Messiah they got. And how many times is that true for us? The Messiah I want is the Messiah I got. I'd rather have the shiny one. I'd rather have the one that kicks pagan booty. I'd rather have the one that, you know, hates the same enemies I do. And that's just not how it works. Or, or think about the contrast in these kingdoms. How does one bring peace? Through violence. How does the other bring peace? Sacrificial suffering and self-giving love. I mean, which are we more infatuated with? Even as Jesus followers, right? If we're just strong enough, we can bring peace to the world. It's not how it works. If you follow this Jesus, this is where Jesus takes you. He takes you into the heart of your enemy, humble and broken, and victorious by suffering and dying and rising and forgiving and loving, right? So Palm Sunday is this incredibly political and subversive showdown that culminates in this beautiful conversation between Pilate and Jesus, where Jesus goes, my kingdom's not of this world, dude. Seriously, I could call down 12 legions of angels and you guys would have no chance. However, that's not how I roll. Mike, you paraphrase. So there's a sense in which what we celebrate today is far more profound than just the waving of palm branches and having children run around and, right? There's something, this is the clash of kingdoms. And we're still choosing between these processions. We're still choosing between these ways that peace comes to the earth. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to celebrate the, the Lord's Supper together. This is the way peace comes to the earth. 
through this victorious king who humbly, self-sacrificially gives his life, forgiving the very people who are nailing his hands and feet to a wood beam. And as we say often, this is our job description. This is now the invitation for us to lay down revenge, to lay down vengeance, to lay down bitterness, to lay down unforgiveness, to lay down all the things that represent the kingdoms of the world and to pick up the things that represent this other procession. See, if you're going to follow Jesus, it's that procession we belong in. But it's not laying down palm branches, it's laying down our lives, correct? So as always, the table's open for everybody and anybody to come to take the bread and take the cup in celebration of this Jesus. And as always, there's a gluten-free Jesus who loves gluten-free people. And he's over there. Also, you are more than welcome to take parchment and write down things that you need prayer for. Our prayer teams are incredibly attentive and prayerful about the things that you guys write down. And we love celebrating with you. We weep with you. We wrestle. But you're more than welcome to take some of this parchment and just roll it up and fit it into those wood slots. And then you see this prayer shawl, of course, that is symbolic of the woman that touched the hem of Jesus' robe asking for healing. Many of us just come up and touch the hem of the robe likewise, asking for healing. And if you'd like to be prayed for right now, we'll have a couple of folks over here who would just be honored to pray right now if you don't want to write anything down. And then lastly, there's a whole bunch of us that respond um, through participatory giving. And that's not something we ever guilt people into or ever talk about much, but it's a way in which a lot of us worship, a way a lot of us declare war on consumerism. Participation boxes are next to those doors. But most of all, this is our time to respond. You've heard the scriptures, and so now in response, what, what do we do? How do we live? And so we start by reminding ourselves of the sacrifice for Jesus on our behalf, and then it's commission that's built in to that same sacrifice. So let me pray, and then we will worship together. Lord Jesus, we bless you and we love you. And Lord God, we desperately want to be people who, if we were standing around that Sunday, would have worshipped you for who you are, for what you've done, not how we wanted you, who would have been courageous enough to shout in defiance of Rome about your kingship and your goodness, who would have been insightful enough and full of faith enough to believe that victory could look like this. And so to that end, God, we pray for your grace today, 2,000 years later, in a world where vengeance is so actively sought and violence is so easily turned to. God, again, may we be people commissioned by the bread and the cup to live a different way because we follow a different king. We love you and we bless you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Izzy. All right, if you'd stand together. Um, so Good Friday, 7.30. Nope, 6.30. Go online, voxoc.com. Get directions, all that jazz, 7, 6.30. 6.30, 6.30. Um, and, uh, and then we'll see you back here next week to celebrate resurrection. Let us know if you want to be baptized. Uh, that's all I got. Is there anything?
She's 21 now, so she's an adult. So we're very excited about that. Um, we, she was subject to child labor laws prior to that, so we had to be real careful now. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And may he give you peace in these days. Amen and amen. Say hello to somebody on your way out. See you later. Have a great day. Happy Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.